This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In front beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. God bless you, family. Praise the Lord. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk, speaking out loud in depth. God is good and he is worthy to be praised. Man, let's get into tonight's discussion. I'm asking a few questions, but the title of tonight's Solid Talk says the debt that we all need canceled. Right. And so what made this come to mind is I'm thinking a lot about one of the hot topics of our country today here in the United States. And it's this idea of Joe Biden's administration canceling student loan debt. And if I'm not mistaken, he's going to cancel like $10,000 if you make less than a hundred and maybe 25,000 or something like that. I don't know all the details. I'm actually not here to discuss that tonight. But what I was really thinking about is just the amount of excitement the amount of conversation that it generated, because there are a lot of people in this position. Okay, it's, it's debatable who's going to be impacted. <laughs> That's a political discussion. But there are a lot of people. There's a lot of dollars involved and there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of excitement. And it just really got me thinking about how people love the idea of their debt being eliminated. And understandably so. Right. Who wouldn't want their debt to be eliminated. But I'm like, man, there's so much talk around this idea of this student debt forgiveness, these student loan uh, payments and, and things like that. And man, I'm just like, do we get this excited about salvation? And so tonight I'm asking this question. I want you guys to answer it for me. Why are people more excited about student loan debt relief than they are about sin relief or another way to say that student loan forgiveness versus sin forgiveness and i have a few theories but i want y'all to weigh in on this i see right off top sister marcia says ain't nothing free with joe b <laughs> i know that sister um like i said we ain't gonna focus too much on that unless y'all want to then i can tell you how i feel y'all know i don't have an issue with that at all but I really just want to focus on what is missing. What's the disconnect as to why the gospel message is not getting out or why the gospel message is not being received? Because that's what we're really asking when we ask this question. It's, re it's really not even about the student debt forgiveness. It's really about do people really understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and if they do, why are they not receiving it? Why are they not uh, as, as, as receptive? You know, why are they not as excited? And if they are rejecting, rejecting it, why are they rejecting this forgiveness, which is the most important forgiveness that anybody can have? And so we know that the Bible talks about how all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It also says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so I was just thinking, man, conceptually, people love forgiveness. If they really understood the gospel, 
would they really love the gospel? Would they really love Jesus Christ and his message? And so I did some brainstorming. You guys can weigh in and I'm going to go and get on the comments. But I was just thinking, like, what's the difference? What is the difference between, you know, what folks can see tangibly uh, and what folks are seeing with, with this idea of debt being forgiven, whether it be student loan debt or any other type of uh, natural earthly debt versus this gospel? And so I think the first so the first answer that I came up with is simply that they don't know that they owe. They don't know that they owe. And the question becomes, whose responsibility is it to let them know that they know that they owe? <laughs> I believe that this is where the church comes in. One of the responsibilities of the body of Christ, the church, is to be a light in a dark world. And one of the things that light does is it exposes. And the thing about it is the Bible says in Romans chapter six and 23, I believe it says that the wages of sin is death. Right. That means that when we sin, there's a price that comes with that. There's a cost that comes with that. It's not free. It might feel free. It might it might appear free. We might think it's free, but it's not free. And there's a price that comes with sin, and that price is death. And the thing about that is we don't always realize that death immediately. And that's how folks can get to the point where they don't know, right? Um, the Bible puts it this way, right? We can, we can, sin feels good for a season, right? Uh, we enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But just like you plant any seed. Once the time of harvest comes, that's when you really see what you've got. Right. That's when you really see. And so a lot of times in the world and, you know, even even as our, on our walks, we plant these seeds of iniquity. We plant these seeds of sin and we don't really see the consequences because sin does feel good for the moment. Uh, in that moment, you may not even recognize that you're doing anything wrong. Um, but. What happens is <laughs> eventually whatever we sow, we're going to reap. And so what's happening is a lot of people don't know that they even owe because the church is silent on some issues. And when I say the church, I mean like the prominent visible church, like the people that have the loudest voices. A lot of them are silent on some of the issues. Right. And so culturally, we don't call out these things. And, and somehow we've gotten to a, a climate where we have taken the shame out of everything. In other words, the Bible says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And so what's happening is uh, if you say anything about somebody who's promiscuous, they accuse you of slut shaming. If you say anything about somebody that's overweight, they accuse you of body shaming, Right. Uh, if you say anything about any, quote unquote, protected class, they either accuse you of shaming or they call you a bigot or they call you a, uh, you know, uh, intolerant and things like this. And so what is done is this created an atmosphere where folks have become more silent. Folks have become more silent 
and uh, they're less likely to say what's right and what's wrong. And this is why the Bible says, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. Okay, whenever the Bible says, whoa, <laughs> that's W-O-E. That's not W-H-O-A or W-O-A-H. Like, whoa, I'm impressed. That's whoa. You better watch out because you have something bad coming to you. And that's what we do in this culture. We call a lot of evil things good. Even on a subconscious level, we go on Instagram. What do they call it? The, the pretty girls on Instagram now? They call them baddies. You know what I mean? Michael Jackson, I'm bad. Uh, uh, it's a whole lot of other examples. Uh, I need a bad chick. I'm a bad B and all of this type of stuff. Um, what do you say when something is impressive? Man, you just got a nice car. Man, that thing is bad. Or it's a woman that looks good. She bad. You know, it's like on a very subconscious level, we call all of these things that are bad, we call them good. And the things that are good, we call them bad. Right. And so what's, what's that mean? That means that it's a perverted society. It means that it's a perverted nature. Perverting means simply to twist, right. Or to use something in a way that it wasn't intended to be used. And so a lot of folks just simply don't even know that they owe, or they don't know how much they owe because nobody has called them out and sent them the bill. The thing about sin is, uh, as we said, sin will not always uh, sin will not always tell you how much you owe up front. <laughs> now, by the grace of God, there's a whole lot of things that God has built in to lead to death. So you smoke a lot of cigarettes and now all of a sudden you do, you start to de you're starting to develop a cough. And, you know, you see folks like this, they smoking a the cigarettes and coughing at the same time. And you say, man, I think it's them cigarettes. Oh, man, no, it ain't the cigarettes. <laughs> no, it is the cigarettes. That's a built in mechanism that uh, God has already established that you're doing something destructive to your life. Somebody gets hung over party, late for work, car accident, throwing up, hangover. If you don't die from these things, that's the grace of God. Because he's because your body, it's not even like, like God is doing these things individually. It's built in. Your body is telling you the thing that you're doing is destructive, is destroying you. Right? Uh, gluttony. We eat so much. And you, you're full. Next thing you know, God forbid, somebody goes to the hot hospital, uh, not the hospital, somebody goes to the doctor, find out they got diabetes or hypertension, right? It's a warning. It's leading us to death. Uh, so all of these things are reasons why some people just simply might not know. And we as the, as the body of Christ cannot be silent even though there is an effort to silence us, censorship is all over. Um, censorship is in government. Censorship is in social media. Censorship is on your job. We have a lot of these protected classes. Some of them are good, but some of them are protected because the devil wants to protect them. And what we have is a culture where nobody can say anything to anyone about anything.
<laughs> you know, it's like if, if, if you're a non-believer, the one scripture that they definitely going to know is judge not lest ye be not judged. Right. That's that's like the the hands down most popular scripture of non-believers in the Bible. <laughs> they probably can't tell you where it's at. They, they can't tell you who said it, but they know it's in there. Right. But nobody ever reads further along which is in Matthew chapter seven, I believe, where it's basically telling you, listen, the issue is that we shouldn't be judging people if we haven't first dealt with ourselves, right? If it says, don't worry about the, the speck that's in your brother's eye when you got a whole beam coming out of your eye. But what it goes on to say, it says, remove the beam that's in your eye, then, you, then what? Then you'll be able to see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. So it doesn't tell you that you can't take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. What it tells you is that before you walk around and try to correct everybody else, you need to make sure you got your own house in order. In other words, the old folks say, sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine, right? <laughs> and, 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 and so folks can say that Okay, but they don't really understand it and they use it as a mechanism so that they don't have to have any accountability. And as I've said before on here, the whole point of the gospel, one of the whole points of the gospel in our redemption and in the love of God, our role is accountability, confessing our sins, right? Repent and believe and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, right? In order to repent, what you have to do is acknowledge that you were going in the wrong direction and then say, man, I'm about to I need to turn around. God, I've been doing it all wrong. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I need to do things your way and not the way that I've been doing them, doing it. Uh, but the fact of the matter is every human that's walked the face of this earth other than Jesus Christ, uh, has sinned because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's some folks that did a good job. <laughs> you know, Job was blameless in the sight of the Lord. I think Elijah got taken up in the whirlwind. I know Enoch, I think the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was perfect and stuff like that. So you got some really good folks. Noah was perfect in his generations, right? You know, but Jesus Christ is the only one who was without sin, who didn't say a mumbling word. So he's our meal ticket. He's the one who actually pays the debt and gives us the debt forgiveness and the debt relief that we owe. And so we got to begin to point people uh, to Jesus Christ and say, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but you need to be saved because you got a debt that you're not able to pay. And B, the only person who can pay it is Jesus Christ. So this is the message that needs to get out. Um, but as long as we begin, to, as long as we continue, and I say we collectively, it might not be you and me, but as long as people just continue to, you know, sugarcoat, continue to ignore, continue to coddle, um, continue to just allow people to not have any type of accountability or have any type of correction, folks will never know that they actually owe. The reason why they're happy about that those student debt forgiveness and the student loan relief is because they know that they owe that. Some of them have been paying on it. 
like they know that that's that that's debt <laughs> that they have taken on um, and it's tangible. They can feel it. You know, what I mean, they can feel the hurt when I'm trying to m make life decisions. I'm trying to buy a house. I'm trying to, you know, establish credit or something like that. But I got all of these student loans. I'm I'm trying to marry somebody, but maybe somebody don't want to marry me because I got all of this student loan debt. OK, this stuff is tangible. It, it haunts the sin. We can sin for a, a little while and it might you might not even know. Most of us before we were saved, we were just out here sinning. <laughs> we're out here sinning and, and we'll fall on our face, but we won't even know. You know what I mean? We'll we'll just write it off as something or just write it off until finally you just get to the point where we come to the end of ourselves. And you're just like, you know what? Whatever I've been doing this way, it's not working for me. Whatever, whatever I was, I thought I had going on and all of this and that, and I'm trying to be this and that and trying to do this and that, it's not working for me. And then you say, man, I need help. I'm desperate. Okay. This, this, this thing that I've been indulging in, this overspending that I've been doing, I'm realizing that it's actually bad for me. Sin is like, is like spending a credit card. The thing about the credit card is over time, it accumulates interest. And what that interest is, is that it becomes so surmountable because you can have compound interest. So it becomes so surmountable, right, that you just get into a debt that, that you just it's just beyond anything that you could even think about paying. And sin, because God is perfect, you don't even need that. All you need is one transgression and you're still in need of his forgiveness because the Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Right. That no flesh shall glory in the presence of God. So if we really think about it that way. It's like, man, I need this paid off. I need I need God. I need the Lord to clean me up. I can't <laughs> I can't make it to heaven without him. I can't live right without him. You know what I mean? I need them in every aspect that I can think of. And so what it means for us is that we got to get the get the gospel message out. Um, when we preach. The Bible says that people are saved by the foolishness of preaching. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we preach and we we prick the hearts of men, it sends conviction. It says, man, uh, I never I, I didn't think about it that way, but. Yeah, I am a mess. Yeah, I need to be saved. It sends conviction to the hearts of men and women. And so when we do that, right, we're shining the light. So that was something that I thought about um, as to as to why, you know, what is missing with the disconnect between people and the gospel? Here's a, a comment before I go into my next theory. Sister Marcia says they're not receiving the gospel because they are going after the desires of their hearts. That's very true as well. Sometimes folks know it's wrong, but it feels good. And that's what's in their heart. And that's just what they want to do. Um, here's another scripture from Sister Marcia, Jeremiah 7 and 24. But my people would not listen to me. They kept doing whatever they wanted, following the stubborn desires of their evil hearts. They went backward instead of forward. Wow. 
folks going backwards instead of forward. And I feel like we're in that season in our country. I do kind of have some optimism that things are turning around a little bit. So we got to keep working. We got to keep doing whatever it is that God asks us to do. We need to get back out there, get back in the field, get back to reaching souls, because that's the season that we need to be in. You know, we had a small group Bible study that we do on Mondays, just the, the D.C. area folks. And um, we had a great Bible study. It was, a, it was a magnificent Bible study. But I left the Bible study saying to myself, man, they they know all this stuff already. <laughs> they know all of this stuff. And it's not to say they're not growing from it. Um, you know, it's not beneficial. But I was like, man, they know this, you know. And what, what, what the Lord was really saying is that a lot of us who have been in a season of, of learning the Lord, walking with the Lord, training with the Lord, a lot of us that are kind of in this generation of being saved, we're moving into the scripture where Jesus said, my meat, in other words, the thing that fulfills me is to do the will of him that sent me. And what I realize is that uh, a lot of folks that, that are um, in this ministry or follow this ministry, we're moving into a place where we've learned pretty much just about all we need to learn. And now we need to actually get out there and start doing the work that God called us to do, which is to go ye therefore make disciples of all nations, baptize, teaching them all things I've taught you baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? That's the great commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28. And I'm like, man, as good as this Bible study is and, and as much fun as we have, and while it's good to fellowship, we are in a space where we got to go out and talk to other people because uh, that we have a new person in that, that has been joining Bible study when they can. And when that person joins the Bible study, it's way more fun <laughs> to me because everything to her is just like eye opening. You know what I mean? It's just like, wow. And so even though I kind of uh, scale back the lesson a little bit, and when I say scale back, I don't mean I take away from the word. What I mean is I take my time with the word and, you know, I, I make things very plain of speech, right? Just to make it very clear, y'all know I can be a little wordy, but just to make it very clear. Um, but it's more fun because it feels like impact is taking place. It feels like it's really reaching where it's supposed to reach. And so I say that to say a lot of us are in the season where it's like, man, we, we just got to start doing doing more stuff for the Lord. That's where we're going to really get our fulfillment. Um, there's a place for Bible study. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it goes away, but I'm just saying that it's like, man, we got to get out here into the harvest. Wong says, I think a lot of people also have hardened hearts due to trauma and suffering. Then they shift the blame on God. Wow. That's a great point. Oh, by the way, let me uh, invite y'all. <laughs> you can join into this discussion if somebody want to come on here and chat. 
All you need is your cell phone or a laptop, and you don't have to put your face on camera if you don't want to. Uh, but yeah, you can click that link that I just put in there and join in this discussion if you want. But yeah, a lot of folks are walking around mad at God. And it's something I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks here and there. There are a lot of folks that are bitter. There are a lot of folks who have lost members of their families. There are a lot of folks that have had people killed. There are a lot of folks that have had trauma, just like Wong said, they've had trauma happen to them. Okay, maybe maybe they were mistreated. You know, maybe they were victimized in some way and they are angry at God. There's a whole lot of people like that. But the thing is, that doesn't absolve anybody from this debt that we owe. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you have a debt that you don't that you owe. Right. And which brings me to my next point, but we're going to get to that in a second. Sister Marsha says the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and a desire of other things. So no fruit is produced. That's Mark chapter four, verses 18 through 19. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Having an attitude and a heart posture is knowing that we must change toward God does not change. Let me read that again. Having an attitude and a heart posture is knowing that we must change towards God. Yeah, we got to change toward God. Absolutely. Man, yeah. So that's one of the things. It's like if folks really understood this, I feel like they would get more excited about it. Because in that is really where we get the love of Christ. The fact that he didn't just pay for it with the credit card. He paid for it with the sacrifice of, of, of himself. He paid for it on the cross, right? And so it's like, man, I owe this thing. I did this. I accumulated this debt. Not only did he pay it, but he paid it when he didn't owe it. And he paid it through his precious blood. That's that's what makes us praise him for all of eternity. You know, one of my theories is that in heaven or the new heaven, new earth, whatever, wherever we praise God, when we're into eternal life, we're going to praise him forever because he's going to be worthy. See, there's no one really worthy of, of being praised other than God. Right. Especially not forever. <laughs> and so we're going to praise him forever because by the time we're done with this life and by the time we walk out with our testimonies, we're going to pray. We're going to have a praise for God that's going to be enough to last for all of eternity. Right. Simply because he's worthy. Simply because he's worthy. You know, before I did this solid talk, I had another topic in mind and maybe we'll do it next week or some other week. But I want to ask the question. You don't have to answer it right now, but you can if you want to. Has anybody ever experienced a miracle? Most believers who I talk to have, you know what I mean? But it's like, how often do we hear a hear about a miracle, right? We sing the songs, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, 
light in the darkness, right? Miracle worker. But we need to let people know about these miracles that Jesus is performing. So probably like, you know, one of these upcoming weeks, I just want to have a testimony service. I want to hear about miracles. I want to I want to hear the stories of you guys and what you've experienced. You know what I mean? Because we need that for encouragement. But, you know, back to this debt thing, I think another reason why people aren't as excited about this is because when it comes to living life, they think they can pay it. You know, when it when it comes to this idea of a sin debt, they think they can pay it. So what do I mean by that? I mean that they feel as though if I'm a good enough person, that's going to offset all the bad that I do. And this is one of the most common misconceptions about about the uh, the gospel, just about life in general. And it's a natural thought. I mean, it makes sense, right? <laughs> it makes sense to say, okay, well, I did a lot of bad. But let me just offset that bad and do some good stuff to make up for it. It really does seem like it makes sense. But we don't have anything close to what it would actually take to make up for the bad that we've done. In the Old Testament, they had the sacrificing of animals. That wasn't good enough. It was good enough for them, but it wasn't good enough for eternal life. Right. But but that's what they were under. They were under that law. So, you know, that's how they were judged. Um, in the Old Testament, if folks owe some money, if they were in debt, they had something called a jubilee. You know what I mean? A jubilee, if I'm not mistaken, a jubilee. Uh, a jubilee. Let's look up the jubilee. But that's basically, if I'm not mistaken, where the debts were forgiven. Uh, let me let me make sure that's true. I, I might be thinking about something else. <clears throat> Glory to God. God, drink my water. Like I tell you, I've been working this weekend. <laughs> After tonight, I'm not doing nothing. I'm going to wash them clothes tomorrow, and that's about it. Says says, uh, the Jubilee is the year at the end of seven cycles of Shemitah. Okay, sabbatical years. Da -da 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 -da. Special impact on ownership and management of land. Okay, it was when slaves and prisoners would be freed, debts would be forgiven, and the mercies of God would be particularly manifest. Yeah, so they had stuff like that, the sacrificing of animals, the jubilee, and stuff like that. But, <clears throat> but we have Jesus Christ. But the thing about it is self-righteousness, ignorance which probably won't be an excuse because the Bible says my people shall perish for lack of knowledge. But specifically the self-righteousness says, man, if I just do it, if I hand out enough waters, if I feed enough homeless people, if I save enough children, if I donate enough money, if I help enough old ladies across the street, that's going to be enough to get me into heaven. That's going to be enough for me to be able to look at God and say, man, you know what, God, I did a good job. I deserve to be here. And that's a lie from the devil. Because the scripture says no man comes into the father, but by the son. 
Okay, Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So we have to have Jesus Christ because he was worthy. God, in the, in the, in the Passover sacrifice, God was looking for a young lamb with no spots or wrinkles or blemish. And that's what Jesus Christ was. He was a perfect lamb who was slain. Our Passover sacrifice. So now we're looking at this, okay? <laughs> and we're like, man, uh, God is looking for perfection. And that's found only in Jesus Christ. But in the world, we're not taught that. We're taught to be do-gooders. It's like the rich young ruler who came up to Jesus Christ. Lord, what do I need to do so that I can actually, you know what I'm saying, um, inherit the kingdom of God? And, and, and Jesus told him all the stuff he was doing, and he wanted to know more. And he said, okay, why don't you go and sell everything that you have, and then you'll be perfect. Okay? See, see he wanted to be perfect, but he didn't have the capacity to do it. And the only way we can actually do that is through Jesus Christ. And so, man, folks think that they can work their way in. I did a, a short a short skit years ago that was so cringeworthy that I, that I took it down. <laughs> but it was called Throw Away Your Resume. And it was just talking about how God is not interested in anything on our resume, good or bad. There's nothing we can bring to him that we can boast about at all. Nothing at all. You know what I mean? Be but see, in the world, which I know I always used to call it the metrics world, this is a metric system. It's this matrix system and it's a metric system, meaning everything is based upon numbers and metrics. You go into a job interview. What do you got to do? You got to hand them a resume. You got to show them everything that you've done all of your credentials, what you're capable of, how many certifications you have. You got to get a recommendation from this person. You got to have this type of education. It's all of these different things. And so we get into the mindset of work, 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 work. If I want something, it's got to be work, right? But Jesus came down and he actually did the work that was needed for salvation, when he said it is finished. And so he says it is finished, right? He now empowers us to do the work of the gospel. Okay. And so he's, so that's why the Bible says faith without works is dead. Okay. So, so we do works, but our works is fueled off of the faith. It's not fueled off of anything other than that. But what happens in the world is everybody wants to do the works for the sake of the works. They think that the works is actually going to be enough. And so it's hard for people to really, um, you know, get excited about about salvation if they're ignorant and they think that I'm a good person. It's the good person syndrome. Uh, we, me and Stephanie talked about this a little a few weeks ago, how before we were saved, man, we thought we were good people. I guarantee if you walk down the street <laughs> and you ask uh, a huge sample size of people, 
hey, are you a good? Well, maybe not in my neighborhood. Don't walk down my neighborhood and say that. <laughs> It'd probably be like I'm a savage. But if you go to, you know, a college campus or something and you ask one of these kids, hey, are you a good person? They probably going to say, yeah, I think I'm a good person. Or they might say, yeah, I'm a good person. You know, I got a few things I need to work on. You probably get like at least 40 percent of people thinking that they're good people, probably higher than that. But what did Jesus say? He, he told somebody, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. No one is good but God. And that's because God is the arbiter of good and evil, right? He's the one that lets us know, uh, man, I do owe something and I need redemption. I need a, a ransom that's paid on my behalf. Okay. We have been purchased by the blood of the lamb. That's the exchange. Jesus Christ pays our debt. And, you know, the old folks had a song. It used to say, how much do I owe? I think it was by the Georgia Mass Choir, Mississippi Mass Choir, somebody, one of them choirs. <laughs> saying the song said, how much do I owe? We can't really pay it back, but the only thing that God asks of us is that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And so it's just amazing how societal-wise, people just love the idea of debt being paid. But when it comes to salvation, they're not really perceiving it. So that's just something that I've been meditating on a little bit this week. Like, what is the disconnect? And how do we get people to realize this? Yeah, uh, God does not change. Absolutely. Ashkenazi says, I've experienced several miracles. If I hadn't, I wouldn't be here. Wow. Marcia says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Malachi 3. Absolutely. The fact that he did not let me go to hell when I was in my worst state, it's a miracle to me. This always humbles me. Absolutely. It's amazing that God showed his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The scripture says that we were once enemies of God in our minds. We were enemies of God, but he wasn't an enemy of us. Meaning that <laughs> in our minds, before we come to know God, we're against him, even if we don't realize it. Once again, if you ask most people walking down the street, hey, are you a friend of God? Yeah, I'm a friend of God. <laughs> Won't know God from a can of paint. I'm talking about folks that might not yet be saved, you know, but it's just it's just our natural thing. But in our actions, in our beliefs, in our deeds. We were once enemies of God, right? And it's amazing that even though we were enemies of God, he was not an enemy of us, meaning that he didn't, he never, he never hated us. He always loved us enough to save us in spite of us, right? In spite of us. So um, we can't keep it to ourselves. We got we to let folks know. Somebody said, I can't keep it to myself. We definitely got to let folks know. Sister Marshall says, I also understand this generation needs to needs to see a demonstration of a powerful move of God. 
And I believe that it, I believe it's the raising believers to do greater works. Yes. Yeah, it will be raising the believers to do greater works. Absolutely. I do I do I do understand that this generation needs to see a demonstration of a powerful move of God. I believe he is raising up believers to work his miracles through. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he's bringing folks up in this age. And I think that we also have to be as excited about the Lord. You know, we have to be excited. Um, there are people that Jesus healed in the Bible. And he told them, don't tell anybody. And those people went and they told folks because they couldn't contain themselves. You know, it, it was like Jesus knew everything has to happen in a certain timing. Everything has to be at a certain course. And so he would he would perform these miracles on people. And I think what Jesus knew is, man, if word gets out, what I'm actually doing in the land, they're going to try to, you know, they're going to they're going to try to make me king. Because that's what happened <laughs> in the Bible study that we just did, that we just went over on Thursday. They tried to force him to be king. And that was after he fed the 5,000. They, they were going to take him and force him to be king. And so what that tells us is that at the appointed time and at the appointed season, which we're in that season, what that means is that our testimony can be attractive enough to draw people to Christ in a way that, you know what I'm saying, that they're going to spread it to other people and they can spread it to other people. And the kingdom becomes like leaven. Okay. Uh, I know that scripture, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, but there's another scripture that talks about leaven in a good way, how the kingdom uh, of God grows like leaven. Let's see if we can find that. And, and all that really means is that it, it's just going to blow up. You know what I mean? It's just really going to blow up. They're telling me Matthew 13 and 33. Let's see if this is it. Parable of the leaven. Matthew 13 and 32. Although it is the smallest of all seeds, yet it grows into the largest garden. And yet it grows into the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in his branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leaven. Wow. Man, I'm, I, I know there's some significance to the three measures of flour, but I might meditate on that in my own time. But yeah, that's basically what it is. It can grow. It can grow because folks need it. Folks got to just know that they need it. <laughs> they got to know that they need it. Um, so yeah, folks are excited about this carnal forgiveness of debt. You know, as as they should. If somebody was going to give me $10,000, I'd be happy to, right? I'm not saying I agree with it politically, but I'm saying if you're in that position, Look, you, you better sign up for it. <laughs> um, but politics aside, right? Um, they feel it. 
they feel the payments, right? They feel they feel the weight of a bad decision that they made. You know, they 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 feel that weight, and because they don't always realize the the effects of sin immediately, which is the grace of God. Because God doesn't slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but God is long-suffering. Why is he long-suffering? Because he doesn't want anybody to perish. And, and we as humans can be so prideful and so arrogant and so ignorant that we think God not doing anything means that God is not paying attention. Or some people even think it means God doesn't exist. But in actuality, it's really God saying, hey, I'm right here and I see everything that's going on. I'm just waiting for you to get your act together. And that's what we're dealing with. Um, you know, folks that, that don't see it right away. You know, they don't see it right away. Um. Yeah. So that's 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 what I've been meditating on. Um, let's get to some more comments. Ashkenazi says, Daniel 11 and 32, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Does exploits equal miracles i think so well yeah i think that miracles are definitely a part of exploits and somebody oh yeah okay yeah you i remember you told us this maybe a week or two ago so ashkenazi goes on to say interestingly the word exploits is not defined in strong's concordance making me think even more the word exploits refers to miracles i definitely believe miracles are included in that because like somebody said earlier, Jesus said, greater works ye shall do. And he was comparing that to the works that he did. Now, the thing about the word great in the Bible. See, 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 today we think that great is like a higher level than good. Uh, good is just simply good. Great oftentimes is referring to either numbers or magnitude. So in the Bible, when you see great Right. It's talking about magnitude. OK, uh, so when Jesus said greater works you're going to do, he's talking about. The body of Christ is going to basically do a lot of the stuff that Jesus did, but on a more macro level. Jesus did a whole lot when he was in the earth. He did everything on the cross that we, we couldn't even emulate. But in terms of what he did down here ministry wise, right, he was in a certain region. He had about 12 solid dudes. He had other disciples, too, but about 12, no, really about 11 he could depend on. <laughs> and um, he then and he did what he did. But now in 2022, we have the Internet. We have uh, airplanes. We have cars, we have boats, we have translations, we have language. It's just a whole lot more works that we're going to do as the body of Christ. It's not even like 
it's not even Christ doing it because we're the body of Christ. Like we're the hands and feet that and, and every other body part, right, that God has operating in the earth to impact the earth, to impact the, the people of this world and to bring them into the kingdom of God. So we're still doing the work, you know what I mean? Um, but we're just a body of Christ, you know? So, so all of the empowerment of what we do in the first place is from him. So when he says greater works ye shall do, it, it's, it's still him empowering us to do the same things, right? And so I do believe that these exploits are going are gonna to be um, miracles, or at least miracles will be a part of the exploits. And that's what he said. He said that they shall perform exploits, exploits. So, yeah, um, I don't got to belabor the point. We ain't got to force anything I, in my mind. <laughs> in my mind, I feel like solid talk has to be at least one hour, but it really doesn't. And so that's all I really wanted to talk about tonight is just I just noticed how everybody was just so gung ho over this idea whether they liked it or didn't like it it was just a controversial topic over the idea of debt forgiveness and i'm like man if folks only knew the amount of sin that we that we need to be forgiven for they will be running to the gospel right they will be running to to be saved we got to get folks to be able to pop the question, what must I do to be saved? That should be our goal as, let me sit up straight. <laughs> that should be our goal as the body of Christ to get people to pop the question, what must I do to be saved? As for the political part, point of the whole discussion, since I got in my mind about 10 minutes, <laughs> I'll get out. We can chop that up for a little bit. Well, like I said, if you're in this position and you can benefit from it, more power to you. But I do want to say that the word forgiveness is really not the proper term because forgiveness just makes it seems like seem like it's just going away, but it's not going away. It's actually just being being moved to somebody else. So instead of you paying it, that means somebody else is going to be paying it. And I've really been looking at people's comments and stuff, and it just it's so clear to me that folks simply just don't know how money or government works in this country. That's the only way I can say it. I'm not acting like I know everything and I have it all together, but anything that the government does comes from taxpayers. The government is not a, is not some sort of, um, how can I say this? Uh, the government is funded through tax dollars. So if they say the government is paying off something, all that really equates to is that you're going to be paying more taxes. And I'm learning that a lot of people don't understand this simple, basic, fundamental principle, right? <clears throat> There's another thing, which is the Federal Reserve. These are the people that print money. 
And a lot of I think in a lot of people's mind, they just think, well, just print more money. <laughs> uh, which, you know, what I'm saying like on a really common sense scale, I mean, like, OK, just print some more money. But money is attached to a value. Right. And, and I went over this maybe like a year ago. I told folks on this channel we would run into inflation from printing all these stimulus checks. Lo and behold, here we are like a year later. It's starting to calm down a little bit now, a little bit, the gas prices and stuff like that. But it's still much higher than it was a year from a year from today, maybe like two years from today. And so what's happening is um, when you just continue to print money and print money and print money and there's no value attached to it, the money loses its value. So it's very likely that if this whole student debt relief thing goes through, it's very likely that folks are going to pay for it on a back end. Meaning that it's going to come through somebody's tax dollars. And a lot of the people that are going to be paying for this are people that didn't make that mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean? No disrespect to anybody, but you invent you you fell for the lie, the idolatry of uh the 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 golden idol of a certificate and a degree. And it's not to say that certificates and degrees are worthless because some of them are useful, but a lot of them are not useful. You know, if you get one of these liberal arts degrees and you get a degree in, you know what I mean, something like antique Indian art history. <laughs> and you spent thousands of dollars to major in that. And then you go out and you try to get a job and you can't find one because we don't need that. We don't need that. You know what I mean? And so now you're upside down with the useless degree. Granted, you were 18 probably when you made the decision, but that's that's not a decision that everybody else made. So I don't think it's fair that other people have to pay for others mistakes. But that's just my perspective. You know what I mean? People are entitled to, to, to feel and think differently. But I, I get it. If you're in that position, <laughs> you owe the money, even though you know it's not right. In your mind, you're like, man, I need that $10,000. You like that girl and set it off like, I need that money. <laughs> you need that money. So I get it. Um, but that doesn't make it right. And that doesn't mean that it's it's just, you know what I'm saying, like going away. It's going to come come through tax dollars. I saw somebody say it this way. They said they got that, uh, they got those stimulus checks back in gas money. And it was one of those funny memes, but you could tell the person who wrote it was trying to speak some truth to power. And that's true. You know, we printed all of this money. It became useless. And all of a sudden, the price of everything just skyrocketed. Your grocery bill is like almost twice as high as it used to be maybe a year or two ago from a year or two ago. So that's just what it is. Um, but like I said, if you're in this position and you need it and, and, and you know, you took on a debt. Take advantage of it. Why not? Same thing I said with the stimulus check. Look, if you eligible for a stimulus check, get it. <laughs> but like some, like a sister Marsha said earlier, ain't nothing in this world free. 
The only thing free is salvation. Everything else in this world going to cost you something. You can trust and believe that. Man, here's a comment. Sister Susan says, about to go to Sunday morning church. Uh, praise the Lord. Have a good service, sister. Sister Susan is in Australia, about to get some church. That's why I need to take my behind is to some church. <laughs> I haven't been to church in, the, in, well, I take that back. I went to church maybe like last week or something like that. Believe it or not, I actually went to Stephen Furtrick's church. I'm going to say this before I sign off. I went to uh, to Elevation Church. And, you know, uh, you know, I don't really like to drop too many names or talk about people like that too much. Uh, so I'm going to keep this keep this mild. But what I'll say is it was interesting. Um, I'm not really a Furtrick guy, a Furtrick fan per se. I won't get too deep into that. But what I will say is that I enjoyed that service. That that particular day, I enjoyed that service. I enjoyed the praise and worship. He was there. He actually gave a solid word. You know, I'm gonna be critical. <laughs> you know, I'm listening. I'm not going, I'm not agreeing too much as is, you know, but I listened to it critically. And uh, and he gave a solid word. It wasn't a groundbreaking word, but it was it was a good word and one I could probably benefit from. Does that mean I endorse it or endorse the church? Not necessarily. I can't say that I endorse it. You can't base a church off of one experience. If you're seeking for a church, you need to go at least like, you know, at least for like two months. To, unless the Lord says otherwise, Lord, if you go there the first day and the Lord tell you join this church, then you join it that day. <laughs> but otherwise, if you're just kind of seeking, you know, you need to fill it out because, look, anybody can have a game. There's a dude for the Wizards. His name was Tracy Murray or something. He scored 50 points one day. You know what I'm saying? But he averaged like like 10 points his career, probably. But one day he scored 50. So, you know what I mean? What I'm saying is like you want to see consistency. You want to see stability and you want to be able to line up everything against the word of God. But that experience was interesting. I went to the one in Charlotte. Well, just outside of Charlotte, I think it's called Ballantyne um, in North Carolina. I was in North Carolina last week weekend. And yeah, it was a good service. Um it's extremely seeker friendly, very seeker friendly. So what I mean by that is we got there early because we know it's going to be a line. Right. So we're in the line outside and we're new. So because we're new, literally like five people in a row came and talked to us back to back to back. Like we couldn't even have a conversation with each other. Because you can tell the, the staff there, I guess they would be the hospitality committee if they were a small church. The hospitality committee, you can tell they are they are like trained and coached, engage these people, make them feel comfortable, be nice to them, fill them out. <laughs> so uh, I'm not talking about the parishioners. I'm talking about the actual workers, the hospitality folks. They're going to talk to you in the line. If it's your first time there, you get you get premium parking, which is good because we can imagine it gets filled up. Um, once you get inside, once they open the doors, 
literally the doors of the church get open. You kind of go in and then there's an auditorium where you have to wait in line again. <laughs> um, and while you're there, there's like a merchandise section where you can buy T-shirts and hoodies and stuff like that, um, which, you know, the merch actually did look pretty good, to be honest with you. And so then they open the doors to the auditorium. You finally get inside. You get situated. Interesting crowd. It was giving me like celebrity pastor vibes, the way some of the people were dressed. It was it was definitely come as you are. Different people wear different things. Some folks are business casual. Some folks are more like drip. <laughs> so I noticed a lot of the drip folks that were like really fly. They seem to be like some of the big wigs there. Very millennial, very Gen Z, but whatever. You know, like I said, I enjoyed the praise of worship praise and worship, and I enjoy the word that day. Do I endorse it? No, I don't endorse it, but I'm, I don't get my endorsement easily. So yeah, that's all I really wanted to talk about, family. God is good. I'm tossing around the idea of starting to do movie reviews on this channel, mostly Christian movies, and also secular movies that have a Christian theme. What I mean by that is something like The Matrix or even something like a movie I saw recently, Pleasantville. These are secular movies, but I saw um, spiritual elements to them. So, yeah, that's basically it. God is good. I see one or two comments and then we're going to close out for the day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, now nah, I think y'all were talking amongst yourselves. <laughs> All right, well, listen, thank y'all for hanging out with me tonight, family. God is good. Be on the lookout for new material coming soon. Also, I did release a new video recently, really two new videos, one for a song called Failure to Launch, another one for a song called Ten For Your Hat Part 2. So if you if you got your tin for your hat on like me and you into the to the you know you don't believe everything that you see on the surface you might appreciate that song you can check all of that out on the Greg Major Music channel other than that we got some new stuff coming soon be on the lookout that's all I have oh, here's a question oh yeah thanks for the videos yeah glory to God that's all I have you all take care and be blessed. Culture can't keep me in check And from beginning gotta tell us what's next True believers they can come and connect Calling or even come as a guest And show each other respect I keep it solid I'm dropping knowledge Wisdom understanding just like you done went to college Devil know we working His goal is to try to stop it Helmet of salvation and shield of faith that'll block it Controversial topics Just to keep it honest Truth hit hard just like it's a blunt object Culture living Godless, I can't even call it. We in the last days, Babylon is falling. Don't kill the messenger, I can't mess with ya Points got a plethora, this life will keep on testing ya Let's walk and get the best of ya I'm trying to tell you bruh, only a the shell We say we trying to get the rest Speaking of ya Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check And from beginning gotta tell us what's next True believers they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect
Spiritual wickedness in high places Trying to cause division with the people and the races Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations So we streaming live on television and the stations No, we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces The cross was Eddie Murphy, then I grow we trading places The lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces So we preach it to a generation that is faithless Understand his greatness, ancient of the ages Written on my heart, the red letters of the pages the blood of jesus covers all my sin and it erases i pleaded and believe it so it covers all my bases speaking out loud in depth cancel culture can't keep me in check and from beginning gotta tell us what's next true believers they can come and connect call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect try and keep my sanity amongst calamity social media nothing more than narcissistic vanity pc culture on a mission and they try to cancel me but i know jesus gonna Keep me covered like a canopy Blood give me amnesty No I can't handle me Not where I wanna be But best believe I plan to be Flesh wrestle against the spirit Main event and slamboree So I need them every day to daily, weekly, annually Iron sharp as iron So I'm strengthened by my brethren We may not meet down here But guaranteed the link in heaven The born again and righteous Are the ones he's gonna let in Let's keep the faith and be amongst the saints When they step in